Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the podcast that takes a topic each week and as the name suggests, Cast Views. This week, I say this all the time, is a special episode for two reasons. Now, I can say that because they're always special episodes, but firstly, I've got Justin Henson. Hi, Justin. Dan, it's been forever. I've missed you. It's been a while. I mean, I think we were saying it's in, in reality, it's probably only been about six or seven weeks, but it's, it's felt a lot longer, right? Seems like an eternity. But the other reason I'm kind of excited is, well, I'm attempting a new kind of episode, which maybe we might be able to make a regular feature. I think there's, it's got legs to it, as they say. And if anything, I'll get to speak to you more often. That's the biggest perk of this, I think. Before we get into that, let's talk about yourself quickly. Tell us about the movie wire and oh, you've got a new show. I mean, by the time this goes out, it's, it's going to be a fairly old show, but you've got a new show, haven't you? So tell us, tell us what's going on in your world. Yeah, I mean, we're just wrapping up on the movie wire for 2023's Year at the Movies, which um, we're getting into Oscar season, so I'm getting ready for that of a horrible, horrible year at the movies. So, yeah, so I'll be curious this year. It's going to be kind of a predictable year, so but it's going to be full of some great conversation on the show and some other shows discussing some Oscars. But the most exciting piece this year is yeah, you said it. Um, me and Antonio Palacios just released a new show entitled Back to the Balcony, where we just released on YouTube and all the respected uh, podcasting platforms where we deep dive into Siskel and Ebert's critiques of some reviews that some we agree with, some we don't agree with, and some that we, me and Antonio, sometimes disagree with, even though I'm right. But, you know, <laughs> it's a very intriguing show because we have four strong opinions that opens up a lot of discussion on these movies. And it really holds to the question of the movies that were reviewed on First Reaction back in the day. Do they still hold up today? Um, and we've had some fantastic conversations. I know um, at the time of recording here, um, I think episode two just launched today where we uh, talk about uh, Body Snatchers, which was a great, fantastic conversation. And we got a huge lineup of great movies and great critiques and discussions coming up. Yeah, you kicked off with Teenage Mutant. Well, this is always the difference between the UK and the States, but I call it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? But over here, they were the hero turtles. Same thing. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's a great film to kick off with. And and yeah, as you said, the first two episodes were out. I've really enjoyed it. I mean, Siskel and Ebert weren't really a, a big thing over here. I think they came just before kind of like the boom in satellite TV and, and et cetera. So they weren't really popular over here. So, and the thing I love about it is, you know, you're, you're a movie review show, but you do everything modern, literally sort of to the minute. Antonio's more takes a look at the older films and, has a look at them rather than necessarily reviews them and here you're yeah you're kind of reviewing classic films but the review of the reviewer which i think is a fascinating idea and i think that's the the most brilliant strategy of this show is yeah like antonio used to say that uh, he covers the old i cover the new and to see the back and forth opinions of contemporary versus old school um it opens up a floodgate of different comparisons different uh viewpoints um we both have strong opinions on the films that we like and films that we don't like but when it comes to siskel and ebert their passion of film is what made them iconic their passion and their love for movies the the discussions they have and how they stick to their guns 
when it comes to how a movie makes them feel. That's what makes the conversation just really passionate. And this is something that movies need now um, is some direction like Antonio's show has, which is almost a revisit. Um, we have a lot of movies coming up that I think have been kind of forgotten in time um, or the reviews were just kind of treated unfairly at the time. So I think it's a great show, a great premise, and it really opens up that conversation of what Siskel and Ebert did when they were on the air or when they did critique movies, which is bring the conversation back to film. And you two have got great on-mic chemistry. I mean, you're great in your own right, both of you. And, and as I said, it's given you a chance to look at older films. It's given Antonio a different kind of look at how he's looking at films. So, yeah, and it's a great show. I know it's only been two episodes, but definitely check out Back to the Balcony. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, so we'll give you a chance at the end to, to uh, push it again. But yeah, what we'll do is let's hear from some friends of the show. So I'm actually going to play an ad from fellow Podpack Collective member Chat Tsunami. Lovely bloke, as well as being a great podcaster. So let's hear from him now. Welcome to Chat Tsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Chat Tsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub-series, Chat Tsunami, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things Things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Right, Justin, so we are going to get straight into it. So I kind of, it's funny because I probably approached you at roughly the same time you and Antonio were probably talking about at Back to the Balcony, right? And I don't know why or how this idea hit me. Well, I think I probably do, and it's related to the, the show we're going to discuss. But I had an idea of us looking at pilot episodes of, of shows. So I'm kind of, we'll see when this episode goes out, but I'm thinking of calling this casting pilot reviews or something like that. We'll, we'll get a catchier name. We'll, we'll work on a catchier name. It's a good foundation you got there, Dan. I like where you're going. Awesome. I was thinking because also currently I'm doing like a retrospective on Black Mirror, and you know, I'm not here to review shows, but I like the idea of taking a pilot episode because pilot episodes can often be so different from the rest of the show because they used to be made sometimes well in advance of the rest of the series, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, pilots really almost was like a test to the audience to see how well it how well it succeeds. And it's usually extremely low budget compared to what we see as a final result for the last show. It really has to have that snag to really capture the audience and really show investors, if you want to get to the financial piece of it, that it is going to be a true success. And it does have a fantastic chemistry and storyline that can grow numerous seasons. Yeah. And, and you might even see different things like the one... Well, the only one that currently jumps to mind is, I know Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the pilot has got slightly different opening music for a start. You know, if it's a slightly, you sometimes might have different cast, you might have different mechanics, characters might even behave differently as well. I was listening recently to the podcast, the the one on The Office with, oh, their names, I, I forget their names, Pam and Angela, who, who are in The Office, they say... Kevin in the first episode uses his normal voice. So I think taking the pilot and having a look at pilot 
and not necessarily reviewing it and giving it a score, but just seeing it, talking about it, talking about our history with the show in general. We'll have a look at how it fits in with the wider, the rest of the series, but then also just coming back and seeing how we think as a pilot it works. And we started, or we're going to start with one of my favorite shows, one of my favorite characters, Frasier. So what do, what do you think when I suggest this? Because you're in the home of Frasier as well, right? Yeah, I mean, based in Seattle, I mean, Frasier was an outstanding pick because this is a show that I was obsessed with. I loved it. I watched it when it aired. I watched rerun over rerun and just it places a good fingerprint on kind of what makes me unwind or relax because back I, when Brooklyn, my daughter was born, I was actually watching an episode of Frasier. And I can pinpoint the exact moment, the exact episode where we just ran out the door to the hospital. Um, it was a new episode, and we'll probably get into it, but it was a new episode that I've never seen before. And I remember I almost, my, my uh, daughter's mom at the time was out the door, and I kind of peeked back in to see what would happen next, but I had to rush to the hospital. But there's a lot with Frasier that just really hits a note with me where it comes to relatability. It's one of those marketing things where it tries to be intelligent, but it has a magic to it that really sucks in the normal viewer. And it's a brilliantly written show. There is an element. I mean, one of the reasons for choosing it, because it has come back last year, 2023. So I thought it'd be a fun to look at both pilots. So it is a continuation, not a reboot. Now, the beauty of that also is it has got, as you said, there's a nostalgia feel to it because you can go right back to Cheers. So having a look, I think technically he has been Fraser Crane for almost, oh, well, it's 40 years this year. I think he debuted in Cheers in 1984. So he's been around for 40 years, this character, which is incredible outside of a soap opera, say. Well, what's incredible is with Fraser's character, 40 years, and we get to see that evolution of him from Cheers to the original Frasier to now the Frasier now. And what I really have respect for Kelsey Grammer is his progression is he makes subtle differences in his performance, but it still stays true. This is almost like a second language to him when he actually plays this character. And we can actually see a little bit of fun in the current season that we'll get into um, of him just kind of relaxing and being at one with the character. But you're right. I mean, Cheers, I watched Cheers with my parents, my grandparents growing up, and it was an easy transition when Frasier came out because it was kind of an a odd character to do a spinoff out of all yeah. the Cheers characters yeah. that were all fantastic. Um, I would have loved to see a Norm spinoff where we <laughs> just see him drinking beer for 30 minutes. But there is a lot of characters. When we have a one-setting show, all these characters have a backstory, have an outside life outside of this bar. And why they picked to zero in on Frasier is intriguing, but it actually is the biggest character that they can actually grow on. So when we think about it, there is a lot to this character that they future planned on what they can do with it. And I think with the writing team that they had with the original Frasier, they had a blueprint of exactly where they wanted to go. But more importantly, what supporting characters would contradict this character perfectly. Absolutely. And I'm going to say it now as well. Frasier is one of my all-time favorite shows as well. So 
in terms of the nostalgia feel, I was a huge fan of Cheers. And every time that theme tune plays, it hits me because it used to wear here, I think around 9.30 on a Friday night. Now, I used to go help out at my parents' shop on a Friday night, get back. I'd be tired because I was a young lad. I would then call into bed. I'd have Cheers playing on in the background and I'd almost fall asleep to that theme tune. So every time I hear it, transports me back like 30 years with Frasier it was a lot later so so I know Frasier we'll, we'll discuss it debuted in 94 93 I think wasn't it 2001 I remember buying my first house with uh, my wife my partner then and we moved in we took everything out so we had no carpet we had no furniture we had a tv on a on a box and we had garden you know the plastic garden furniture we had yeah. two of those chairs in the living room. <laughs> she loved Frasier as well. And on the comedy channel here at the time, they would do play two episodes at 10 o'clock at night and we'd be sitting there. And so when I, sometimes when I hear, see Frasier, I, I pitch myself on those uncomfortable chairs. And there was an ad that played for chewing gum that played cold as ice. And even now we still joke, we sing that to ourselves sometimes when we hear the Frasier tune playing because it transports us back to that time when you know we would just sit down to make it our must-watch TV. I love that. And it's funny you say that because I know I talked about my daughter's story, but back when it was, I had my first apartment. I had beanbag chairs. I used to watch it at 1130 oh, yeah. at night in my first apartment. And that would be the show I would go to right after work. I would come home, grab a, grab a beer, and just sit in a beanbag chair watching Frasier. And it was a two-episode run. It would go from 1130 to 1230. And then some show I really didn't care about aired, but it was, it's one of those that you can pinpoint. And I spoke to it earlier pinpoint. It's not just a TV show because it brings back a lot of that nostalgic feels of when you watched it, of how it made you feel or what you were doing. And that's something special that you can pick any other TV show in my view. And I don't know what I was doing. I, yeah. I was probably sitting on a couch or a chair but I can really relate to what the scene was when I was sitting watching Frasier or what I was doing or what I was going through um, in life during that time. So it's a really interesting piece of what this show we can relate it to. And we love watching a set of characters so much because that is a true definition of a TV show inviting us in. You can tell that a TV show is very successful with characters in a story when you can relate your own life and what you're doing while you're watching the show. And I kind of want to go back to what you said as well about the choice of character. It is, on the surface, it does feel unusual. Now we can look back at it now and say, of course it was, is a brilliant decision, but it is unusual. I mean, the obvious choice would have been Sam, right? From Cheers to do it. But I reckon for him, a prequel show probably would be better. His baseball days, etc. But it feels like the obvious choice. I mean, the one they did go for, they did Carla and Eddie, didn't they? Which I think lasted for a season, was it? Yeah. That? yeah. The fact that this is, this lasted, what's that? so I've got it here. So it, it debuted in September 93, ran for 10 years, and now 20 years later, it's back. Just shows how people love that character. Now, I'm happy for however we approach this, because like I said, it came back well, to some people's eyes with a vengeance, with some people's eyes with a whimper this year. So happy to intermix them. But if we start, what for me, firstly, I want to call out, I love the, sometimes the little clever things you don't even realise. So, you know, you get the interscene 
titles, don't you, that pop up. I love reading some of those. The first episode was called The Good Son of the original series. And the first episode of the new series was called The Good Father, which I, I kind of love that mirroring. Yeah. And when we get into it, there's a lot with the new show that they really tie into the old show. And I think that's what makes this one a little bit special. And when we talk about, you brought up again, the, we could have focused on Sam. And to me, I think that would have been the most predictable thing, but the more obvious thing to do. And I think with the Sam character, he fits more with a good supporting cast. And it, you, we rely on that supporting cast because we take Sam, who was a baseball player who slept with everybody. So I think when it comes to family entertainment, where could they go with Sam that's going to make it really family entertainment other than just a baseball player having sex with all these women? So I think when it comes to a very strategic pick of trying to get a broader audience of sucking the audience in on what character they're going to focus on. So I think it's interesting. You brought a good point of Sam, which would have been the most obvious, but I think behind the scenes that would have been a little bit too obvious. So going off of the pilot episode, we see a lot of similarities between what we saw in the original Frasier pilot episode and here, but I'm pretty sure you're going to get into it. So I don't want to steal your thunder, Dan. The first thing I wanted to talk about was in the original series was the cast. So we call out the main ones. So you got, yeah, Kelsey Grammer was Frasier. David Hyde Pierce was Niles. John Mahoney Martin, uh, his father or their father, sorry. Jane Leaves as Daphne and Perry Gilpin as Roz. Now, it is so easy 40 years later to say it's a perfect casting. But right from the first episode for me is that they are all brilliant in their roles, I think. Especially Niles as his brother, I think is fantastic. And Martin as the father, because if you haven't seen it, I mean, I'm, I'd be surprised if somebody hasn't even seen an episode. But the father is very much ordinary. He's a cop, retired now because he got shot in the hip. So he's out through injury, isn't he? Fraser and Niles are very... What's the word? I want to say pompous, but that sounds mean. But they are. They're kind of psychiatrists. They're very high in their field. They're very um like the finest things in life. And their dad is a is a beer and a and a pretzel kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, Pop is egotistical. So the two bounce off of each other. Even when we see in the pilot, they are so full of themselves that even they have a hard time relating to each other in the pilot episode where there's almost a subtle competition between the two, a little brotherly rivalry. So there's, and to me, that kind of sets a, a question mark on how the pilot goes because you don't know where that relationship's going to go. And the relationship and chemistry is almost like in real life that they're competing with each other. It's an odd chemistry on the pilot episode that to me, it didn't really work, but they recovered, and I think they had a lot of test audiences to really pinpoint uh, things that don't work. So the relationship does blossom from there when it comes to the Niles Frazier, but nobody really wants to see two, like you said, pompous guys just battling their own egos with each other. There has to be a good contrast to kind of have the relatability to the audience. And I think we see that with the Martin character, where that is going to be the standout character that really almost dominates in my opinion because he's one of my favorite act, one of my favorite sitcom actors and overall just a, a likable relatable guy yeah so if i hit the, the main themes that happen in in the first episode so fraser has uprooted himself from boston and has moved to seattle 
uh, he's got himself a radio show so he's he's doing his psychiatry show on the radio with Roz who's his producer we are then introduced to, to Roz Niles Martin Daphne and Eddie we've got I call it another main character but Cafe Nervosa so we'll come on to that and yeah what I've got here is Fraser and Niles bickering and biting within each other tension between Martin and his sons because the whole thing is Fraser's moved he's got his own apartment and is almost at some point reveling that he's he's living the bachelor life again but then Niles brings up a problem with the father that he's, you know, he's struggling. I think, I can't remember if he's, no, he's living on his own, but needs care or needs looking after. And Niles basically says it's not going to be them almost. And so Frasier reluctantly takes him. So as you said there, you've got Frasier and Niles actually going at each other a little bit. Also, Frasier not wanting his dad to be there and his dad almost not wanting to be there. And you get that classic sort of like father-son arguing in the first episode so as as, a, as an introduction goes to a sitcom there's some serious elements that are played for laughs but with that subtle undertone isn't there it's like going odd couple without going full odd couple because it is a very like you said very subtle darker tone to it it's a different feel you see the real conflict there whether we get kind of the old school odd couple tv show where it was all comedic it was everything was situational here it doesn't happen right away. We do see a little tension and we felt that and we feel both sides. We see Frazier's side. We see Martin's side. Both of them don't want to be there, um, but we do have a little bit more sympathy for the Martin character because he's a Seattle police officer that got shot in the hip. He's getting older and he's living with his son. And here's a prideful man that doesn't really like asking for help. He doesn't really like to rely on other people. That's the character that we're being presented with. And again, the pilot, this is a prime example of it being almost a setup for what's going to come. So this one starts from the bare rock bottom of foundation. And then it has multiple layers of where it can go in the future episodes. So I think it, when it comes to Martin and Frazier, I think they started on a, a little bit darker tone, but on the benefit of it, there's so many directions that they could have gone and they went those directions. And they do a good job of showing Frazier's almost regret at accepting him because you get the lazy boy or the lazy chair. Yeah, the lazy boy, isn't it? That's right. Moves in, which obviously doesn't match any of his furniture. Now, if you think about it, it's the only thing that Martin's brought into the, the apartment. But Frazier almost hates it instantly, doesn't he? And it doesn't fit in, in the aesthetic of the apartment. But it's that it's the point is it's almost like that's the only thing that he's brought in along with Eddie, of course. I've actually had this argument before is I thought the chair went well in that apartment. I thought it just fit, even though it was ugly. It, obviously, when you get up close shots of it, you can see the wear on it. But when we get those wide angle shots, there are numerous times where I look at it. And I'm like, that kind of works. I don't know. But that lazy boy does look extremely comfortable. Got to say, I don't play Martin. Yeah. And then because of Martin, they know he needs care. So this is where Daphne comes in. So Niles says that at least him and I was going to say ever present, but she's ever not present. Maris agreed to pay for, if not all of pay for an in-house helper. Cue Daphne from Manchester. Now, what I was saying earlier about pilots being different, the first couple of episodes, her accent was definitely pitched higher and a bit more nasally and over the top i think it definitely mellowed over time the seattle accent must have uh, must have taken over 
Yeah, it definitely did. And one thing too, her accent changes. I mean, the pilot is where this character is completely different from the other ones. This one starts over the top. This yeah. one is just her at her like psychic, just it is insane how over the top they went with this character. And it almost rose off the balance with the other feel and tones of the other characters. Um, so this one definitely had to be dialed back quite a bit, but the one thing I will give uh, Jane Leaves uh, credit for is that she owns the role. She kind of just went for it, saying, this is your motivation. You're a therapist. Uh, nobody wants you there. Um, and you're just going to be a crazy psychic and throw that kind of comedic uh, timing in there for to lighten the darker tone between Frazier and Martin. And she actually does. And she's electrifying, even though over the top. It's one of those uh, roles and one of those uh, acting styles that it's electrifying. You can't take your eyes off of her when she's there. And it's, it's impossible not to smile when she's going over the top. This works for her. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting what you say. Yeah. She is of all the characters, probably at least in the, the pilot, because I also think later on when you're introduced to bulldog, he's one of those over the top characters as well. But she is that, that one in, in the first few episodes or the first series. And as you said, she, portrays she's a psychic from manchester and and it is funny and this is why why i like fraser so much there are so many good one-liners and when she's leaving you know i think she says something like you'll call me and fraser says something along the lines of yeah if if not by the phone i'll contact you through the toaster and, and then closes <laughs> the door behind her and it's just those those little quips like that and on that I think it's fair to say everyone is mean in this show. There's a lot of meanness, but they all give as good as they get to each other, don't they? And that's the difference. I think they all all give and take that kind of comedic meanness. Yeah, and I think they uh, mass the Seattle scene when it's raining quite well, where everybody's a little grumpy. So you walk down in a coffee shop or anything like on a rainy day in Seattle, you, you got to get that little subtle meanness, that pompiness. Uh, I would say. So I think they kind of match that tone when it comes to accuracy pretty well. So, but yeah. What was I was going to say? One episode, what does he say? The state flowers mildew or something. I think he says (laughs) that. When it comes to setting the scene in Seattle, I think it does an actual pretty decent job, even though in the kind of the pilot episode, you see the space needle in the window and then you never see it again. So, I mean, they really go strong with kind of the Seattle stereotypes, but when it settles down later in the season or later in the seasons, it actually does a pretty good job portraying like the Seattle life back when that was shot because the Seattle coffee scene in the 90s, those are kind of the way they looked. And that's the way people kind of conversated is getting those normal non-plastic glasses. We actually had glassware that we can sit and have a conversation. So I think when it comes to accuracy, I think it does a spot on job with that too. And, and on, cause we'll, we'll come on to talking about Roz, but on, while you've mentioned, brought it back to the coffee shop, I think that is another fantastic element of it because you've come from a bar, a pub. And if you think of most shows, most films, a pub is the centerpiece, all the soap operas here, the pub is the centerpiece to have a coffee shop. I thought it was fantastic. And I really, I think the, the, the way they use Cafe Nervosa as the central point, just like I guess Friends did later, or was it roughly the same time? I can't remember now with, with that day. 
it's fascinating to see it as a coffee shop because again it suits Fraser and Niles down to a T. Then meeting and having a, a latte and, and all the about the ten name drinks that they have. Yeah, and you know, to me it represents almost a new John because he even says it in the new show that he wasn't his best when he was at living in the city and at the bar. That wasn't his best life. And to kind of tie it into the coffee shop, it's like you go to the younger Frasier that has the bar that he goes to. He's a, he's seeking out his profession. He's hanging out with a bunch of these beer drinking uh, late nights, 2 a.m. Then you come to him settling down where, you know, he has Frederick, um, a, a son, and he does have that new career. So setting the scene on kind of the coffee shop as a contradiction, I thought was a brilliant idea. And it does represent the stereotypical coffee snob. But what yeah. I liked about it is they never focus on that because you have a lot of, in Seattle at least, a lot of these coffee snobs that you have to have this 12 or this 12 detailed instruction list on how to make a coffee. But they order a coffee and it's just coffee pretty much. So there's no reference to the snobbiness of the actual drinks as small of detail as that is. I actually respected that quite a bit where they don't just go to that stereotypical prop to really define these characters. It's such a great, such a great setting for it. And and I look back at it now and, and I kind of miss that in, in the current show. Before we go into a little bit more of the, of the episode. So the last main character is Roz. And again, what a fantastic character she is. She is almost like the Sam Malone of Cheers. You know, they do make, again, whether you could do, have that character in, in sense of make those jokes about her now because they do talk about her sex life quite a lot in that. She's the one who sleeps, you know, every every episode. Although Frasier tends to do his fair share. And, and again, it's never really commented on as much. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think uh, Lisa Kudrow was initially hired as Roz. I think she was let go after a few days. Now, I was saying to my wife the other night, I think I can actually see Lisa Kudrow as a Roz. I'm not sure I could see, uh, uh, yeah, as Roz, but I'm not sure I could see Perry Gilpin as Phoebe based on the roles. But we'll do Friends another time. But Roz, again, what a fantastic character. Gets a lot of sarky comments from the Crane boys, but gives absolutely as much as she gets, right? Yeah, Lisa, Lisa Kudrow, I don't know, would have pulled that off because Roz has this strong personality. Because you have Martin at home with a strong personality. When we go to Frasier at work, that's needed as a strong personality is too. It's almost like he's being babysat by two contradicting personalities. So, and I think Lisa Kudrow wouldn't have added that. I think she's a fantastic actress and I think she would have done a great job. She's great with sitcoms. But Roz as that unique, just raw, I don't really give a crap what you think. And I'm going to tell you as it is. And the two, what I love about how Kelsey Grammer and uh, Roz interact is their body language. The both have fantastic facial expressions when they actually react to a joke or a caller calling in. So you can feel the chemistry is there because they're all, they're complete opposites when it comes to uh, the way they actually run their daily life. It is great because especially for the first few episodes, at least, she is the dominant person there because Fraser is new to, to radio. 
he's a fish out of water and she's putting him in his place, you know, like where she, I think the first episode, she reels off a list of everything he's done wrong, you know, so it's, it's great to see her, yeah, sort of starting off the series as a, yeah, you know, you may be coming in and you may be the the, the talent, but I'm I'm running this place, yeah, or, or running the show, as it were. The other thing is, and and kind of like we 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 hit on it earlier, I think it does do a great sense of setting the scene. So we've mentioned about the the awkwardness between Martin and Fraser, but also between both sons because it's clear Niles doesn't want him, and there's a joke. I think they talk about a home and I can't remember I've got it here I think it's something called Golden Acres or Golden Fields but basically uh, here we go yeah they, they talk about homes and um Frasier goes oh yeah we care so you don't have to and it's like he says does it actually say that he says no but it might as well because you know you get that that contradiction that he doesn't want him but he also doesn't want to put him in a home which I think Niles would do yeah, and that's where I think a lot of the relatability comes in because I think the responsibility for the elderly is one of those unspoken, we have we feel the need to do it, right? But you also have that lingering thought that Fraser and Niles kind of present saying, well, so I think the, that's one of the great things on the relatability piece of it is it questions moral intent versus what you really want. And when it gets into it, Frazier does a great job when it comes to kind of hinting at those moral dilemmas. And we see that throughout the entire seasons of um, you have this uh, psychiatrist that has these normal moral dilemmas, but how would he handle it versus the normal guy? And most of the time we have him making almost dumb decisions, but making it relatable. So when it comes to the Martin character of it, I think that it really kicks it off on his human side of it, where he actually has to make those decisions as a normal person, where he's vulnerable, where he's not the smartest guy in the room when it comes to common sense. The one thing, I'm sorry, and I absolutely agree with everything you say. The one thing for me that I can't reconcile with the pilot, and it's it's a character that doesn't feature in the show, but it's how they how Martin and, and the mother get together in the first place. So I know she was in an episode or two episodes of Cheers and, and she was played as quite a mean character, wasn't she? Um, I think if I remember right, yeah. threatening to kill Diane. <laughs> but, you know, she is basically who they took after. You know, she was, I think she was a psychiatrist or she was a doctor. And, you know, Martin keeps saying that she was a lovely woman. You know, she might have been, you know, like a professional like that, but she she cared. And, Everything what kind of we've seen, and there is a there is a, a throwaway line where Rachel says, "I'd remember what Mum used to say: a handshake is is as good as a hug." So there obviously wasn't that kind of level of love. So it it just feels like an odd family dynamic from that sense, right? Considering how they turned out and how Martin still is now, all these years later. Yeah, and when it comes to the mother figure, this is where that was a little inconsistent because we would get little snippets of that. Um, but we'd also get the warmth that they would talk about too. So the mom visual and to respect, I can see that because growing up, we all have different opinions on how we see our parents. There are sometimes I can see the handshake from my parents, but I also see the sweetness from my parents. Right. So all that are little snippets of what Frazier and Niles remember growing up and what kind of carved their path. But what I really think is important by what you said 
is we see if the development from what they had as a kid, where we did have the tough Martin character, we did have kind of the cold or tough mother. This actually makes a lot of sense for how Niles and Frazier grew up, where you kind of want that, and I'm going kind of dark with it, but so I'm going down a rabbit hole, where you actually go and become something that, to help people, to help people cope with their past. Because it's interesting that Niles and Frazier both become psychiatrists when the in the background we're describing these parents that actually were almost emotionless, where they treated these kids how they were raised almost. So there's a lot of scenes where Niles and Fraser joke about theater camp and Martin's kind of scolds and gives, uh, yeah, we were proud on that one. So there are a lot of yeah. different snippets on that on one liners yeah. that they went down a path where they kind of developed based on what they didn't want to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it is interesting. There are a lot of comments and I mean, a lot, through the early series, not episode series, where Martin expresses it, yeah, his disappointment basically at how they were as kids, you know, not being sporty, not not going, being interested in football. And and he clearly says, you know, it's part of the jokes that he, yeah, like you said, oh, yeah, that was a proud day for in the Crane household that day or, or something like that. And it's, it's funny. And I think that's a mark of this show that it can still make these characters, well, in my eyes, likable and that these jokes can be funny and you can still like the characters. We kind of see the difference as well. So while Martin and, uh, uh, sorry, Fraser and Niles are the same, you do get the element, especially I think of, of Fraser, obviously as the older brother sees himself as the superior. So, you know, we, we're introduced to Niles's foibles, like cleaning the chair down before he sits down and, and Fraser's like got no time for him or, or he's sort of looks frustrated. He's still doing that. And even though, we know Frasier has got his little things in terms of what he likes to do and how he likes to do. He still kind of then also looks down on his brother for that, I think. You kind of get that impression. Well, we even have that episode that's to me, is one of the more powerful episodes, and it really sets the grounding to almost ricochet these characters back, where we have Martin taking Frasier and Niles out to a steakhouse that he absolutely loves. And right when they walk in, they're wearing their yes. suits and they cut his ties. And... Something as simple as a steak dinner with all the fixings, they have to nitpick on everything. And you can see the irritation in Martin to the point he walks out. And then you see Frazier and Niles really start to contemplate how they became the way they are. Can they uh, not even enjoy the bare bones basics of steak potatoes with all the fixings? So it really sets a tone to where they get so wrapped up in their characters where they have to kind of almost go back to the foundation to really appreciate that kind of stuff. Um, and to me, that one was one of the more powerful episodes of how we see ourselves grow and how our parents actually see us because the biggest disappointment in that episode was something that's completely relatable is disappointing a, a father figure, disappointing a parent. And that's where it was a reality check for who they've become. There is an episode, isn't it, where Martin starts crying, Fraser starts crying because he's made his dad cry, and then Niles comes in and he says, <laughs> "What's going on?" And he says, "I made my dad cry," and he said, and then Martin says something, and then Niles starts crying, says, "Nobody wants to come to my party," and all just all these men are just are blubbing. But yeah, there there is so much, there are so many, so many layers 
to these these characters and what you know the the looking down on his brother as well the the one I the episode I watched last night was Niles gets a job as a art critic like a theatre critic in a paper and Fraser gets jealous straight away I mean Niles is rubbing it in his face which is another quite bad point the two of them have is the, the way they rub each other's noses into their success um so Fraser then tries to outdo him and then they both end up that and and I think that's the thing that as mean as they are to each other they both lose out so it's not that one's always got the upper hand and it, it I think that's what what levels it out and makes you still like them because they both lose in the end as much as they win they also both lose when they're at each other yeah and I think that's a great point because in every episode that they actually compete with each other there is no winners uh, except for the audience because it's absolutely fantastic when they go up against each other and again we go into that comedic timing that Niles and Frazier both have they David Hyde Pierce is one of my favorites when he's absolutely brilliant but he knows how to read a room and Frazier has that old school comedy. Kelsey Graham has that old school comedy where he relies heavily on body language and his facial expressions because anytime Kelsey Grammer actually gives that look of shock, it is impossible not to crack a smile and laugh, especially in relation to Niles. So I think when it comes to the chemistry, especially those episodes when they're competing with each other, those are when that chemistry and that body language, those reactions are absolutely at their best. Yeah, and I'm going to throw three things at you before we kind of, I think we should probably talk about the newer series, although we could talk all night, maybe we could do a series in this. The thing that, and my wife has actually said this, and I, and I kind of now see it, she has watched a new series and she likes it, that's as much as she'll say for it. But the thing that she misses is something that you've just said. And the first series is all about Kelsey Grammer's anger, how outraged he gets at certain things. And I think that is, he does that so well. He does that so well. And I think that's probably what's missing to some extent, I think, from the new series. Um, but he does absolutely, you know, every episode, the way he looks, the way he's appalled at, you know, there's the... One of my favorite episodes, the Ski Chalet one, where nobody was after him. And it's just the anger that, you know, he says, like, all the hormones bouncing off these walls and none of it was for me. You know, and it's, it's just it's just brilliant. But also, yeah, the David Hyde Pierce is brilliant. And I think the chemistry between all the leads in that pilot is instant, I think. I, I didn't think any of it felt awkward at all. Well, you take David Hyde Pierce, who's a big theater uh, kind of actor nowadays, and they have to live in the moments. And Kelsey Grammer at the time had an acting style where he didn't learn his lines um, before the show. He would learn it before each scene. So it felt more real during that scene. And I think that was right. one a brilliant idea because that's where you really get that natural reaction where the other character, Niles, doesn't know what's coming so you get that really real reaction from both of them and i think that led to a lot of the success and the chemistry and the brilliant comedic timing between the two so i think it was a brilliant style that kelsey did even though i know uh, guest stars hated it because of course you're guest starring you have to be uh prepped and ready to go um not running on the fly but the whole cast of Frasier got used to it. And I think that was a big success when it comes to the Frasier performance of what made that chemistry real because in the moment it was spontaneous and it was real. Right. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. 
for me one of the final things i'll say is i think having the radio call-in show is also brilliant because the calls are often the source of a lot of stories or can give you that relief from the normal comedy that you see and we have obviously we have so many famous callers call up but what i liked about it was he uses the show in the first episode to quickly recap almost the last 20 years doesn't he he says that he's moved from seattle uprooted everything and and again it's such a clever thing rather than a previously or having to watch a, a, a thing about Fraser or cheers you get it all within that 30 seconds brilliant i thought and again it's a good introduction to those that didn't watch cheers and it's just a signal to the audience saying hey this is going to be new you don't this is going to be fresh you don't have to know about cheers to watch this show but it will complement this show if you do yeah. so i think the recap was a brilliant strategy on it to really kind of acknowledged the show and we see that even in the new show um quite yeah. a bit actually but i think it's a great strategy to kind of just kick it off acknowledging saying almost like a thank you to having this show based on the previous show's success it's almost like a tip of the hat to the show because fraser would never be obviously if cheers never took place before we move on i'm going to finish with one line which for me sums up the whole comedy so uh fraser and niles are talking in cafe nervosa and and fraser is kind of moaning about all the people calling up or, or something along those lines and he says niles you're a psychiatrist you know what it's like to listen to people prattling on about their mundane lives niles says touche and on that subject i heard your show today fraser and niles you know how i feel about pop psychiatry Frazier, yes, I know what you think about everything. When was the last time you had an unexpressed thought? Niles, I'm having one right now. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> um, oh so we are now going to move on to the continuation of the series, 2023. Over to you to, to kind of give your initial thoughts and, and kind of give a, a feel for how that first episode went for the new series. Yeah, I mean... We kind of go back to our roots on this. Frazier is off to a different city with new challenges, new relationships, and an old dream or two to finally fulfill. Frazier kind of goes back to Boston where he wants to rekindle with his son after uh, Martin passes away. Uh, again, a good nod a good nod to John Mahoney. And we see a lot of those nods in this episode where we really pay tribute to a lot of these characters from the past. So... During the pilot episode, we see a lot of conflict that will rekindle a lot of feelings that people loved about the first one. We have the father-son dynamic that really has a good conflict, but a good comedic conflict uh, between Freddie and Frazier. Then we're introduced again to a lot of contradicting characters. We have uh, the college professor uh, played by Nicholas Lindhurst, that Alan that does a fantastic job on almost almost filling in that void of Niles. But he's older. He just seems like he is there to put Frazier in his place. So it's an elevated character compared to Niles, where it's a more mature, defined role, where he's kind of almost coaching Frazier throughout this new transition in his life. So what I really did appreciate about the pilot to this one is it's not a copycat per se, but they do kind of almost like a reboot, almost, where we do kind of take things from the original series and we just kind of reorganize it to give the nostalgic feel without shoving it in your face. And we have those conflicts almost appropriately 
that Frazier has to deal with that he dealt with in the pilot episode of the original show. So I think when it comes to a lot of the groundwork they set in the pilot of the new one, it's going to be a hit or miss. It was Some people thought it was off to a rocky start. And within the first half of it, I did too. I thought the first half yeah. of it was off to a rocky start because the characters seemed to be a little bit more goofy than what we yes. got in the original yeah. series. Um, I think a lot of the cast members kind of stereotyped or went almost kind of like Daphne did in the original. They overacted to really kind of match their counterparts. You have David, that's Niall and Daphne's son, that kind of is the Daphne from the original that was overacted. And I see that performance here too, that he is kind of a little over the top. And when it comes to the David character, this is what I appreciate about the David character is this is another nod to a lot of the original um, members from the original show. Because David, do you know the story about the naming of David? No. So they actually named David in honor of um, the producers of, course, um, yes. yeah. of the show that died in the plane crash in 9-11. Yes. So yeah. they do recognize a lot to this show. You have Moose. That's uh, the dog that's named actually after of one of the characters. Yes, I've missed that, yeah. yeah. And then you have uh, the bar that they go to, uh, Mahoney. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of nods, and I think this is where the show is going to be really, really smart to really not shove that nostalgic flavor in your face, but give subtle nods in the background where people that were fans of the original are really going to grab hold of this. And we saw it towards the end of the season where it – it started to find its footing. It started to find its ground and its emotion. Yeah, for me, everything you've said, 100% agree. In terms of the characters, it's jarring because it is a modern sitcom. The characters are a little goofier. I found the laughter track a lot more jarring than it does. Even when I'm watching the original now, I find the laughter track a bit jarring. But once you get through it and it gets into its vibe, I mean... It's not going to be the same as the original. It's 20 years later. You haven't got the original cast. A, a person does make a, an appearance at the end. I mean, should we say, well, we could say who it is. Should we say who it is? Yeah, I think so. If they want to hear it, uh, fast forward yeah. 30 seconds. Yeah, fast forward 30 seconds. Perry Gilpin comes back in the final episode, which is, is great. Now, as you said, I love the mirroring of it and the difference. So in, in the original, Frazier moves in he's single he's loving a life has to take his father or feels obliged to take his father in whereas now freddie is living his best life frazier comes in but he doesn't have to he buys the apartment building doesn't he because he wants to reconnect and then basically almost not forces the son but buys the apartment and says right him and his girlfriend can live rent free if well he, he thinks it's his girlfriend and that's another subplot if freddie moves in with him so it's it's the same but different and they're in a difficult position because none of the other casts are in it. You can't not reference them, but you run the risk, I guess, of over-mentioning them. And I think they hit the sweet spot. For me, the only thing I would say is I like David. I, I do like the actor. You know, I think he was a fun character, but I think they tried to make him a bit too much like Niles. Whereas we've seen Fraser and Niles were nothing like their father. He, they could have toned it down a bit. And maybe we'll see that. Maybe we'll see that in in later episodes, but uh, later series, sorry. But what I would say as well is for me, standout is I love Nicholas Lindhurst as Alan. Now, if people aren't aware of him, he is a 
British sitcom king. He was in Only Fools and Horses. Um, but if you'll see him now, you'll be shocked at how he looked then compared to now. And he is very much an understated character, but has some of the funniest lines. And just looking at him, the way he acts, it cracks you up. Well, the dynamic between him and the college professor, and this is one thing that I hope they get back to, because what I really loved in the pilot episode is the banter between him and the college professor when he's delivering that line, pointing to himself, saying, tenure, can't fire me, tenure. Like, (laughs) he is absolutely brilliant. And I think what really fills that void of the Niles Frazier banter are these two. Because I was really enjoying their banter, but I feel the series is starting to kind of step away slowly from that. And I really hope they they don't, because I think that chemistry was actually really well done. Um, And when it comes to David, I think this is the character that I'm really going to I really hope they just tighten up and sharp because he is becoming a little bit more of a distraction. Um, He Mm. has toned it down since the pilot, but I think it is this is his first acting gig. And I think it's going to be a very uh, big journey for him to really know when to tone it down to match his supporting cast. But I will say the episode where Frazier goes to the firehouse uh, to cook the uh, chili. Yeah, I I will say that I did laugh at uh, the fireman thinking he's an orphan and just him sliding down the pole and stuff. I think that was his best episode. Um, but I think when it comes to a lot of the supporting cast, they are slowly transitioning to really find their groove on it. But David would be the one that I'm really concerned with. Yeah, because you're right. They tried to make Alan and David almost a comedy double act towards the end, didn't they? Yeah. And it didn't work. And I, and I think it's because obviously they want Frasier and Freddie to be the thing. Now, what I would say is I think they've done a brilliant job with Freddie because he could have come across as obnoxious. And you kind of almost get that vibe at the start, but then they turn it right round, especially in the finale. He's just such a brilliant character, I think, in that finale, isn't he? Well, what's scary is he looks like a grown-up version of Freddy from the original show. Like, the detail to it, I think they did a brilliant job there. But I think um, they did a great job in involving him quite a bit, and I think... The way Jack Cutmore is really taking on this role, and Frazier speaks to it in the pilot, is his mother's wit. And I think Mm. it's a good balance between the two. And I think we see a lot of his humor that he's taken from the original show to kind of mimic Frazier, but add a Martin spin to it. Because I see a lot of a mixture of both Martin and Frazier in that role. And one of the biggest things... We talk about. I talked about the firehouse, and this is one that really brought me back to the Martin character. And I really think he's starting to go more of the Martin character than the Fraser character because that one it just reminded me of Martin when he's at that firehouse. And to me, that is a pivotal yeah. episode because I think there is a lot of different spins that the characters and directions the characters were going in, and it really was an emotional episode at the end. And I think that is going to be the transitional episode that these casts. Uh, members are really going to bounce off of because the end of that one had me crying. Yeah, it is. It is an amazing series. I would say to people, if you like the original, please give it a go. It might take a couple of episodes, but Justin and I have said that and we've messaged and we actually enjoy it. We enjoy it. And I hope it does get a few more series. Now, what I do want to say before we kind of look at wrapping up is 
I watched it again a couple of nights ago. And ju as Justin said, so the setup is they've just had Martin's funeral in Seattle uh, because I think John, John Mahoney passed away two or three years ago, actually, didn't he? I think 2020. Yeah. And Freddie didn't go as so Fraser's coming and, and he's asking him why. And there's reasons for that that are revealed in the uh, the pilot, which plays uh, plays some part in later episodes. And it's at the end where he's got a gift for Freddie from Martin. And it's his is it his flag, isn't it? It's almost like what they, was it on his retirement? I can't remember. And it's got an inscription, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, it's a flag that uh, since Martin was a Seattle police officer, um, upon the death of a police officer, they take the American flag and hang it and fly it over the state capitol. That's so, it, and that yeah. was the folded flag. Yeah. Then I'm going to say it, it cuts to at the end, some in memory of, and one of them is actually Nicholas Lindhurst's son. Cause he died a year or so ago, but then you've got that two or three second clip of John Mahoney. And I can't remember what he says, even though I watched it the other night, but someone says, it says something like it'll all work out. Or I told you it'll all work out in the end. And it, it, it choked me. I'll be honest. It, it choked me up. Especially because, you know, you, like we said, right back at the start of this episode, you, you flash back to them, you've grown up with them. It's, and now this character 20 years, well, it's, yeah, it's 20 years later. And it's nice that they did do that, that, you know, that, um, what's the word, the referencing, referencing of him in what was potentially an awkward storyline where Freddie didn't turn up to it, then becoming an emotional moment between father and son. I, I thought that was really well handled. Well, and you can tell that John Mahoney had a big impact on that because we, if we look at Frazier's performance when he's sitting down with Freddie talking about the funeral, his eyes are bloodshot. You can tell there's more than acting here. John Mahoney had this huge relationship with a lot of these actors. I know David Hyde Pierce, um, he hated opera. He's never been to an opera during the show. Um, he wasn't cultured like his character plays. It was John Mahoney that introduced him to opera, the finer things. So it's almost like a reverse role where he taught almost as a father figure, those cast members, those producers, the director, he took a lot of these cast members under their wing, under his wing and really taught them new experiences. And I think we see that shine on how much this man met, meant to the studio and met to the cast. So, and we see that, and that's why I think that Firehouse is a pivotal episode. Yeah. Is we yeah. have that emotion shine through. Yeah. I think they do treat it really well in that first episode. Now, it's difficult because it's only a 10 episode series. So it's 10 episode run, the first series. It is difficult that, you know, if you're watching the pilot, I think the, again, the nostalgia for the original and the Martin thread. And just the intrigue about how they mention the other characters, I think, is what is its greatest strength. It, it is jarring. I do think, though, that, like I said, I think overall, if we look at it series as a whole, yeah, I think it's done really well. I, I think people should give it a chance. Hopefully, they'll ter tone some char characters down. What do you think about the old characters? And do you think, do you want to see, do you think it needs appearances of old characters? I mean, let alone. We're not even touching on the fact that it's been said that the Cheers bar is still open. So those locals are still going to be there. What, what, what's your view on, on potential guest appearances? As much as my heart says, I want to see David Hyde Pierce again, and I want to see some of the old Frasier characters. I would say that would be a bad call right now. Um, as we're gaining our, our footing with the characters, as they're trying to 
learn to react with one another. Um, I think it might throw off the balance a little bit. Um, but there is a piece of me for that, yes. But I do think it would be smart to integrate the Cheers characters in it um, because that could be potential growth as we saw Frasier do, tying in some Cheers characters in the original show. I do think that would create some good opportunity for future seasons um, to really take on those characters and even maybe having one single character other than Lilith uh, show up um, to really drive a story by itself. Yeah, that's right, because Lilith, sorry, she did turn up, didn't she? Lilith and, and Roz were, because they had, it, obviously, um, Daphne and Niles still did have a close relationship, but I think it makes sense for Roz turning up to see her old friend. I would like to see Niles and Daphne, but I don't think it's necessarily needed, but I think it would be nice. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see maybe him meeting Norman and Cliff for a drink. <laughs> but it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Like I said, I think it's actually done well. And I think it's now got its footing. And as I said, for me, the, the standout and the absolute draw for me is going to be Nicholas Lindhurst. And long may he continue in that role. So I just really hope he has a little bit bigger uh, role than we're seeing, because right now it's the Freddie Frazier dynamic. And I hope in the next season that we see a lot more of him, because I think that character is going to be the missing void to really yeah. giving audience that relatability to the original. Actually, yeah, because going back to what you said about him them turning it down it's not it's because he, yeah it's him and the interaction with Fraser are brilliant because it's almost like those two do regress to when they were back at university they become childlike and there's that episode where they're trying to get into like again another club I think and you, you, you remember Alan puts on like a, a gauntlet he finds there's some armor on the wall and he puts a gauntlet <laughs> and he gets stuck to him and he's got to hide it for the rest of the evening and then they get stuck in the cellar brilliant and 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 that is You've, so you've lost Frasier being angry and outraged, but you've got him being childlike with his old friend now. And and that, for me, that that's probably where the appeal could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we get older, we go, we kind of get into that childlike situation where, and what I really liked about that scene is that's kind of the first pivotal scene that we saw of that situational uh, comedy that we got from the original between Frasier and Niles. So, and they just have some fun with it. So, like you said, there's no anger to it. It's almost like a childlike innocence when they get in the situation. And it's like watching kids when you don't want to get in trouble. So, it's a different feel than what we got with Frazier and Niles. And it's still brilliant. It's still engaging to watch. And it's just one of those where it's impossible not to smile at. Yeah, yeah. And And the only other thing I want to say is, Whereas in the original series, especially at the start, it felt like it was a lot more Martin and Frasier were were very odd. Uh, sorry, Martin and Frasier were very at odds with each other. This isn't as it feels as mean-spirited as that. Mean-spirited is wrong, but it's more just that awkwardness of Freddie having a father move in and sort of cramping his style more than him sort of not liking, I think, his dad or, or the things his dad does. I, I think... I think that's how I saw it. Yeah. No, you're right. Because the episode where he brings in the air hockey table as almost a symbolic chair <laughs> yes. that we had. Yes. So it's like yeah. a younger version of Martin, the youth putting in his chair yeah. into Frazier's yeah. home, which I thought was a brilliant nod. And I thought it was a lot of fun to actually add that little, that snippet to it. Right. Look, we could probably, I've just realized we could probably talk all night about this. It, this has been so much fun uh, recalling 
recollecting the original and talking about the new series. Before we go, is there anything else either about the shows we've discussed or is, if you want to give your sort of movie wire and back to the balcony another plug, please do so now. Well, I have a question and then I'll plug. So okay. favorite episode of Frasier? Um, that's <laughs> really difficult. But I will go for, because we saw it the other night, can't remember what it's called. Is it? But it's the one where they buy and take over the restaurant. Oh yeah, <laughs> they run the restaurant. That always that and the ski chalet one are the two that, if you ask me, which are my favourite episodes of Frasier, it's those two episodes there always always come to mind. So I would have to say for mine is going to be the Patrick Stewart guest appearance, where oh, yeah. he mistakes <laughs> Frasier to be uh, gay. And Frazier kind of goes along with it to get what he wants. So to me, that one's my favorite because Patrick Stewart is absolutely amazing. Uh, yeah, and they had a lot of big guest stars in there as well, didn't they? Guest appearances. So. And that's probably a whole other episode, I would imagine. Actually, before we wrap up, so both of these, the original series and the new series on Paramount+, Plus, at least in the UK, they're both on Paramount+, Plus, so you can catch it there. So, yeah, Justin, do you just want to give your pods another shout out before we go? Yeah, you can check out the Movie Wire on any of the socials at Movie Wire Show. And you can listen to the Movie Wire anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can check out Back to the Balcony on YouTube and your respected podcast platforms. So make sure you are subscribing and listening to both of those shows because they are great. Now, for me, hopefully you've liked what you heard. If you do, I do want to make this a fairly regular. Uh, I think I've told Justin this. I would like to make this a fairly regular sub-series in my show so if you've got any ideas for, or, or any pilot shows you'd like us to give the same same treatment to i've got a long list but yeah any that you if you're listening any that you like the idea of us discussing let me know you can contact me across all social media um just look for casting views you can get me at castingviewspod at gmail.com and yeah across all podcast platforms so until next time take it easy If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, check what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a sport.